Welcome to Melanated Diaries, where your week isn't complete unless we've got you all the way together. A podcast that brings seriousness, love, light, and compassion to topics that impact marginalized communities. Hunty, come sit in this space with us, breathe, focus, and exhale as we embark on this journey of Melanated-related conversation. All right. What's up, everybody? Happy Sunday. This is Dr. C.I. and... This is Jeremy Edmondson, a.k.a. Um, from last episode. Just kidding. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to Melanated Diaries, y'all, a place where we talk to get you all the way together about topics that address different things around being Black and working in business and in education, and a little bit of both. So with that being said, our topic of the day is equality versus equity. Now, equality versus equity is an interesting conversation, especially because Jeremy and I both work in different forms in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so before I give my spiel, I'm going to turn it to Jeremy and say, Jeremy, what is your definition of equity and equality? Yes, equity and equality. I'm actually reading a book about equity, which I'm learning more from you as well, because I never thought about that. I've always thought about equality. So equality, from what I've read, is pretty much like sameness, and equity is fairness. But equality means that we all just have like the same start. It's from what I've been reading so far. Um, okay. that's, that's how I break it down. Okay. And for me, so the same exact definition as Jeremy about equity being fairness and equality being sameness. But let me give y'all some, some insight into what that means. So you do not get to reach equality unless you have equity. So, and we're not talking about equity in the sense of financial equity for all of y'all counts out there that we're talking about <laughs> equity in the sense of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so when you think about equity, you need that in order to get to equality, because truthfully, we do want everybody to be treated the same, but equity makes you step back and think about the fact that human beings have different needs in order to reach sameness. And so we're going to do some have some conversations about what that means as we tend to explore equity versus equality. And for me, I always say like sameness does not mean justice. Mm. Right. So I could walk into a room like even, you know, Jeremy as a teacher could walk into a classroom and he could treat everybody the same. He could be having a terrible day and want to treat everybody like shit. Right. But y'all all were treated the same. Doesn't mean that y'all were treated well or fairly. Mm. And so that is, helps to give you some insight into equity versus equality. The oh, definition right. of it. Yes, I like that. I'll actually like to give a shout out to Sarah Jackowitz because she actually wanted us to talk about this. So I just okay. want to give her a shout out. Hey, Sarah, girl. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so my field, for those of you who, if you haven't listened to the other episodes, mine is education and dance. And like she said, definitely, I can walk into a room and treat everybody like shit. Thank you for saying that. I didn't even think about that. Like, that doesn't mean that it's, you know, justice. So I have a hard time because I'm, all, I'm around all able bodies, you know, mm -hmm. um, and we don't have a lot of, we don't have people who are non-able bodied or, or that at least I can tell. So I think dance also, we need to start looking at how do we bring these to the front to let people feel that it's okay. Uh, to take these dance classes and also to put these, you know, if there's a disability or whatever the case may be, how do we let them 
live in that light because that is a part of them, you know? And I think often we tell people they have to leave that at the door because when you look at dancers, you know, the muscles, the, you know, being skinny, all that, like there's this quote unquote perfection. So yeah, this is something I really want to start bringing into my business conscious is like, how do we really allow dance for everyone? Mm, in, the, in the education, there is a company, I don't know their name, but I know they're in New York, I believe. And they're all... Uh, no one in there is like able-bodied like that. It's, it's just for them. Um, so that's, I think that's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. But in this world, like it's kind of sucks that that has to exist because of how we pushed them aside. Mm, that's right. Right. We've done things that were inequitable in order to push that population aside. Like Jeremy, I think you make a really good point about how our privileges and our oppressions in our lives can cause us to look at equity and equality from very different perspectives. And usually the people who have power, the reason that you have created inequitable systems, even though you did not do it intentionally, is because you have built systems and built rules and policies that are inclusive of you and exclusive of other identities, right? So they're inclusive of the identities that you have, but exclusive of the other identities that you don't have or that your friends don't have or that your family doesn't have. Like if you don't have some sort of affiliation with a certain identity to understand the way that they navigate the world, mm. you tend to exclude that. And then we build inequitable systems, but say that we're doing it for the purpose of equality. But remember, equality equals sameness. And sometimes sameness is that sameness is built out of the sameness of your identities. Mm. So I work in companies, right? I'm I, for those of you that don't know, I am the CEO of two small businesses. One is called Inclusology and the other is called Diversity. Both focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion, one through hands-on practice and one through technology. And we, I tend to use both in my methodologies. And I think that the thing that we see the most that we have to make companies understand is the difference between equity and equality and how that manifests. And usually we see that happen the most in human resources department and Say there are people in the company who have our parents, they have children. Well, human resources will do what we call flex schedules. And flex schedule is a flexible work schedule. It means that they say, okay, you are a parent. You may have to drop your child or children off at daycare or school in the morning. So if most people are here from eight to five, you don't need to be here at eight o'clock. And we're going to make sure that you don't get punished if you come in before 10. You know, because then depending on what cities you live in, you have to take into account access because if there are some parents, say, for example, that don't have cars and maybe they need to get on the subway, the commute looks different for them. Or if you live in a city like Los Angeles where traffic is really bad at that time and you need to get your child to daycare and then come into work, you understand that there's a differentiation in the expectation because of the atmosphere. That's equity. Because what it does is it allows people the same opportunity to show up and perform without punishing their circumstances or their identities. Mm. That's how, that's a way that you practice it. Okay. Yes. Cause I'll have learners who, you know, they have to give me notes that say whatever disability or whatever case they may have. And sometimes I don't like, like, I like that they give me the note to tell me like, I need extra time on assignments. But since I'm such a word person, that's one of my ways of learning. I, I just like to take people's word for it. You know, so I've, also I'm curious, Cheryl, maybe you can help me out since I also have questions still about uh, these two topics is 
do you think that people abuse I'm not gonna say that's a privilege, but do they abuse that? Because from what I were from what I read, the difference between those two is that it has to do with your history, right? Or your history or if anything that renders you from being the sameness of somebody else. But do you think people take advantage of that? Mm, that's a great question. I do think that some people take advantage of it. Make no mistake, there are some lazy motherfuckers in the world. Okay, some people that don't like to work. That's true. But the issue with that is that we associate that with certain identities when that is not the case, whether it's racial identity, etc. I also want to say that sometimes people who have a, who abuse circumstances like that have been abused. So I want to acknowledge that I'm not making excuses for anyone who is lazy, but when I give y'all an answer, I usually want to do it from multiple perspectives so that you understand how to think about it in different cases and don't try to apply one circumstance to everybody. But yes, to answer your question, Jeremy, I do think that. What about you? I I do. And in my field, it's so hard because if someone sits down, I think they're lazy, Right. And that's my that's that's a bias that I constantly have to work on and not just in the university setting, but also because I teach at studios and I have these kids. They are kids, you know, and I'm like, sometimes I'm like, are they being lazy right now? But I don't know, you know, and granted, I'm I'm more around the college learners than I am my learners at the studios. So they can give me a piece of paper and say, hey, this is what's going on with me. I need this. This is how you, you know, accommodate for me. Obviously, that doesn't happen in these, the studio life, which would be really nice for us to implement. But because we're so active, so if someone sits down, that's the first thing I said. Like, we think they're lazy, not understanding what do they really need. Yeah, and I think that equity has to be broken down into two ways of performance, right? And this, I think, can also apply to dance. Performance that comes with expectations and performance mm. that comes with outcomes, right? So we might expect, we might have expectations on how people get to the final outcome that we are expecting. And if that makes sense. And there's biases laced within that. Like you said, like I've done it before too. Like I expect for my company to have our product done by this time. If my people don't meet those outcomes, then there might be punishment. I'm less likely to create performance expectations than I am performance outcomes because that's more equitable. Okay. Okay. I have another question. So being equitable and equality, it seems that we hold people with power, like they hold how to justify those two things. But what about the reverse roles? Do... So for me being an educator, do my learners also need to know about that when it comes to me? Because I have had, last week was difficult for me. We discussed that, or y'all can tell on the last episode, but it was difficult for me because I have transitioned into being a faculty member here at the college at New Mexico State University. And some of these learners I went to school with, I was actually in school with them. Either I was doing my grad while they're doing their undergrad, or, you know, it was just mixing, you know, in and out because like, I just didn't stop going to school. And some people are having a hard time transitioning. It seems like they're having a hard time transitioning that I'm now a faculty member. So, and I look and I'm like, well, you've had other people who were, you know, in these leadership positions. And I'm like, well, is this not equality? Because then it makes me wonder if they're treating me this way because I'm black. Because mm -hmm. before when I was a student or when I was a grad assistant, it was different, you know, like it was, 
I guess they saw me on the same um, plane as them. And now that I've completely transferred over to this new position, they started treating me different. So I was like, well, equality, like, are y'all doing it because I'm Black? Is what yeah. this makes me feel like because I am the only Black faculty member. And I'm like, where's this district? It's, I don't like calling adults disrespectful because it sounds like a child, but it's just pure disrespect, Cheryl. You know what I mean? Like, it's super disrespectful. And I'm like, I'm still the same me. I just am not a student anymore. Yeah, and I'm going to answer that in a couple of ways. One, there's this book that's called So You Want to Talk About Race. And one of the things that the author says in the book is that if a person of color says that it's about race, it's about race, whether mm. to it's to you or to them. So I'm going to say part of me agrees with you that, yes, it could be because you are black. Now, um, to add to that, relationships impact expectations. So say that you have been in a relationship where you have friends, right? And your friends know you in one role and then you switch and your responsibilities and accountabilities become different or they get higher or the level at which you at are changes. The things that you did in relationships with them prior will impact the way that they have expectations of you. And I think that we do see younger people, people of color, when those things happen, we have to fight harder for respect mm -hmm. because there are so many intersections at play. It's your atmosphere. It's your environment. It's your racial identity. All of those things do impact the way that people treat us, even without them knowing, which is why unconscious bias is such a powerful thing. Mm -hmm. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I needed that. And some of the, I talked to some of the instructors and other people and my, she's pretty much like my mom, my mentor, my everything. Her name's Deborah Knapp. And she, she mentioned that. She said, it's hard for people because, Jeremy, you switch your hat. You're so good at switching your hat so fast. And I am. Well, like, when I'm a student, I'll switch it. When I have to be this, like, I switch it so fast. And she told me that some people are like, well, he just does it so fast and it's hard for me. And a part of me is that I agree with that. I agree. Like, change, we know change is hard for some people. And I don't know if it's, actually, I do know it comes from my blackness, like, it goes back to code switching. I know how to switch super fast. You know what I mean? Mm. So to me, it's not an issue. You feel me? I'm yeah. like, I'm like, no, I'm your teacher, period. Like, you know that. You know what time it is. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. Or I'm your educator. I don't really like saying teacher. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm your educator. And when I'm not teaching for this hour and 15 minutes, yes, we can have conversations, you know. And obviously, I have different conversations, like you said, depending on a person because of our friendship or our relationship level. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't have patience <laughs> for people and I need to, that's, I need to work on that. And I think that this also, you made a good point. Like this also goes back to our blackness and authenticity, right? Because we are so disrespected. Mm. That's why it's harder for me as a CEO to hire my friends and to think about that because I'm like, you could put me in a position where if you disrespect me in front of the wrong person, I lose the credibility and reputation that I've built. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm like, it's, it is so hard even in education, when I hear your story, for us to think about being authentically black and then having the code switch in different spaces because we are always under fire. And if you are working for your friends who have marginalized and oppressed identities, my tool to them, my tool for you is to give them a fucking break, okay? <laughs> Don't treat them like they are your friend when you are outside of work. Respect their positions and talk to them a certain way because people talk. And word of mouth gets around. And what happens internally 
can uh, impact what happens internally and externally. So y'all get it together. You better preach. Yeah, look, I, I'm here for it today because and you know I'm I'm gonna be very vulnerable with y'all, and we usually are on this podcast. But it hurt me to say that because in that moment I was reflecting on the people that I've lost because of instances like that, mm. like people that are no longer friends with me because they didn't know how to differentiate the difference between pers- being personal and being professional. But also, it's not all their fault, right? Because we live in a society where the rules make it difficult to be able to do that. And so it's like for the purpose of my own survival is preservation. You know, I am for in order for me to survive, I have to think about those things because my purpose in those moments was bigger than my friendship. Mm. Say that part again. Yeah. My purpose in those moments was bigger and more important to me than my friendships. Yeah. That, and that's I agree with you. That's hard for people to understand. And I, it's, I, I, I also look at other businesses or when I go somewhere and the the line is so clear, like, you know, there's no relationship. And so, like you said, like, yes, like, especially being a dancer, quote unquote, I'm being, I'm doing these big quotation marks, y'all, because we know the struggle of a dancer, whatever that means. Not everybody has that struggle, but the struggle of a dancer is what they call it. So I agree with you. Like, also, I think it depends on the field because dance is so close and we there is something we understand with each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Like then it starts getting blurred. Like I definitely agree with you. Like people don't understand. Like when I'm doing this, this has nothing to do with friendship. This has to do with strictly business. <laughs> like I yeah. I have a goal, you know? Yeah. And this is it. So Yeah. And I think that that does play into equity and equality when it comes to expectation and performance again. Because don't think that because you're in the people who are not in leadership don't deserve equity and equality because they do. We human beings, y'all. And so when we think about the way that people will treat us in the space, that does align with e- equity and equality because people will treat you differently depending on how they know you or how they see you or because of your identity. And that shit does impact equality. And so we need when we talk about equity and equality, part of the reason Jeremy and I are bringing this part of it to the conversation is because we want you all to think about that when you are thinking about equity and equality. So let me ask you a question, Jeremy. In your, in your daily life, when you think about even equity and equality, since we started to talk a little bit about relationships, when you think about those two terms, even outside of professional space, how do they show up for you? Mm, girl, you're going to try to do me on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um... Yeah, in a relationship, friendship. I'm not not romantic, y'all, because y'all trying to be in my business. Yeah, nah, my, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> hey. Time to get romantic. What y'all know hey. about Karen White? Y'all know my age if y'all heard me sing that. <laughs> so equality and equity in... I'm going to go... Actually, I'm just going to go to romantic relationships. I think because that's one thing Cheryl and I talk about... Uh, with each other when we're not recording and we've been going through it y'all like we've been going through it and for me like i said i tend to date outside of uh, the african-american community Can I? so yes before i go into that i want you to explain to our listeners why because i think people will hear like melanated diaries and see this black man and be like well how are you gonna be talking to us about <laughs> blackness and you don't even date black men so I want you to explain to them <laughs> why that is, if you don't mind, before you get to, because I know you, but they don't. Right, right. You know, you're definitely right. I mean, we discussed that. People, you know, 
So mine's environmental. I would say environmental from when I was growing up, but also environmental because just where I live now. So I live in Las Cruces, New Mexico, for those of you who don't know, and it's predominantly Hispanic. And not that that means I want to date Hispanics. It's just that there aren't a lot of African-American men or Black men here. So, but when I was growing up, my mom was always in abusive relationships. I mean, ass whooped. Like, that's just how I tell people. Like, there's no going around it. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. that's just what it is. And it was always by Black men. And that's a whole nother story. And that's a whole nother life coaching. And we're not going to figure that out. But that's what I always grew up around. And then she got into a relationship with this white man. White, wow. But his name's Bill Ross. I call him my dad. He's pretty much my dad. He raised me. And so, or my father, I should say. And I think somehow that psychologically changed something in me. Because even when I was in Washington in high school, I was I was like, nope, light skin, black, like tall, athlete. That was just my shit all day, every day. Wasn't looking at anybody else. You know what I mean? Like they had to have black in them. And then when I moved down here in 2010, things just started to change. I was just like, I mean, I was still looking at black guys or black men. And then it just slowly started shifting. So I don't know how that really came about. It's not that I wouldn't date. I would definitely date another black person, you know. But I also do like, I like a challenge, which what I mean is uh, the mixing of cultures. You know, there is this challenging aspect to it. Uh, And it may not be with my significant other, but it could be with the outside world. So, Yeah. yeah. And let us be clear. We're not anti-inter... Well, of course, I'm not anti-interracial dating, okay? You can date whoever the fuck you want if you <laughs> like them and you love them. I don't care if they're purple, yellow, green, brown, whatever. And you can hey. be in love with a Martian, for all I care. You can go to a different species. I'm just saying that, you know, I wanted Jeremy to provide that context so that y'all understood his, his lens. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. But back to the question at hand. Hey, equality hey. and equity. Hey. Hey. Okay. Y'all, Cheryl is about to gig right now. <laughs> <laughs> so equality in a relationship, my blackness has to come into it, period, point blank. And that is where it's a struggle because I've had people who completely don't understand what I need, you know, or if I do vent, it goes over their head. They're like looking at me. Speaking of Martians, that's what they look at me like. Like, I'm a Martian, you know what I mean? Uh, and then to them, because if they don't understand what I'm talking about as a black person, they don't understand equity. Yes. You know, Agreed. they don't get that. Sometimes, I don't, no, not sometimes. That's why I won't date people outside of my race who don't understand. I'm like, I don't have time to teach you. This, I don't have time to teach you. Because I'm trying to teach people in my workforce. I'm trying to teach trans. And now I got to teach someone I, I want to be with. Now, that's a lot for me to do. Yes, agreed. And what about equity in relationships? Oh, well, you see, since I'm dating outside my race, if I was to date a white person or a Caucasian, whatever they want to identify as, where, where's the fairness, right? Because mm-hmm. if they have this privilege, you know, because of their skin, I think we butt heads. I have butted heads with people before because of that. I tend to check out. So I don't have the answer. I don't have the complete answer for y'all because I will ch- it's such a turnoff. You know, it's, it's such a turnoff for me. So I, I check out quick because I'm like, you know, because we have different backgrounds, you know, and that's what we have to think about. And sometimes, especially in the gay community, they try not to be like, well, we're all gay. I'm like, hold up. 
but I'm black and gay. That's completely yeah. different than you being whatever race you are in gay. And not saying that you don't have hard times. Like, we all know the gay struggle, but like we talked about the intersectionalities. Now we got to start picking those out. Yeah. And how do we respect that? So it's a, that's a struggle for me. Yeah. And I think for me, when I think about equality in relationships, that shit is hard to achieve. Like, people talk about 50-50, but y'all, I'm, because of my gender identity, I identify as a woman, female, if you're talking about sex, but I identify as a woman. And I date men. And it's hard to find a significant other, a partner, or someone to date seriously who sees me as an equal. Because our society teaches so much about gender roles and males always being mm. dominant. And because I'm assertive and sometimes tend to be independent, but not so independent that I don't need anybody else, but I come off as also very independent. And because of that, that's very unattractive to some men because they've been socialized to believe that your woman needs to be your submissive. Mm. Like, I'm supposed to stand behind him and not in front of him. And within our community, because of some of the toxic masculinity that we we um, create around blackness, because our men have not been seen as human for so long, it's hard for black men to sometimes accept that shit from me. And I live in L.A. I don't discriminate either. I mostly date black men because they just be around and when they see me they be like hey girl come here <laughs> come here right uh, now <laughs> right which i appreciate because i ain't get none of that in new mexico <laughs> and jeremy no i've barely seen any of it <laughs> but <laughs> when it when it comes to equality like the fact that um like when i go out to eat or go on a date the server will always hand him the check mm. You know what I'm saying? Or the server will always ask him, what are we eating today? And he, I have very few, but I've had a couple of men who be like, she, she can tell you, you know what I'm saying? Or hand it over. That's equity to be like, you go ahead and tell him. Right. Because right? in that moment, not only do they become my significant other or not significant other partner, but he's my ally in that moment. It's important for people to understand when to show up. Right. And who would think that you'd have to think you have to have an ally on a date just so you can be treated equi equally? His actions were equitable, though, right? And so, like, those are just the little things that make it really hard to date. Or if I make the first move, some men who really think about sameness and equality and are associated with gender roles, that's a turnoff to them. Mm. So there's so many different things. And usually when equity happens to me, it is because he has made a space for that to happen. Like, I usually, to be honest, don't have to find myself creating spaces of equity for men in my professional, professional or personal spaces. So that equity doesn't show up as much as equality from me. Usually it comes from him. That's beautiful. And I'm glad you talked about it. I don't, I never thought about that. I'm over here trying to think about who hands the check. I mean, even when I go, even when I just go out to eat with just male friends first of all it doesn't matter if i'm with a male or female for some odd reason people think we're always dating it don't matter who i'm with somehow rumor goes around town i'm like i don't know what no but anyways yeah i'm trying to think who do they hand the check to usually they give it to me mm. but talking about like being assertive you know like and how that's so identify how that's put onto blackness you know or us as a community that we're super assertive and i don't think there's anything wrong with being assertive i'm like yeah i, I am but they make it out to be this negative you know, society makes it this negative thing. Yeah. So, and yeah. they call us aggressive. Sorry, Jeremy. Y'all mm -hmm. usually translate our assertiveness into aggressiveness. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're right. Because I was going to get to that. Always. 
I was going to say that. I was definitely going to say they always, like, even when I'm playing around, how quick they're like, oh, my gosh, come down. I'm like, I'm joking. You just said the same. You have the same exact tone and same exact, you know, uh, persona, whatever. But mine has always seemed more aggressive. Anyways, just want to throw that out there. And I, I want to add to what Jeremy said about calm down. Here's why you don't say calm down to your friends in certain circumstances. Like if somebody is like, I'm going to kill everybody up in this <laughs> motherfucker, then you should be like, calm down. But if someone is showing their personality in a way where they're like, have more energy than you or they're louder than you and you tell them to calm down, that is a microaggression. It is a subtle slight against their identity because what you're doing is the kind of microaggression that we call pathologizing behavior. Okay, because there are there's a number of different microaggressions and they even split up into racial microaggressions and underneath racial microaggressions, pathologizing your behavior is one of them, which means you are trying to get someone to assimilate back into Mm. normal culture, which is created by whiteness. When in such a circumstance, you tell them to calm down. Mm. That's why you shouldn't say it. So don't say it (laughs) to any of us. We don't want to hear that shit. We like calm up. Right. I know that make no sense, but y'all know what the hell I was saying. Oh, I had your back though, Cheryl. Thank you. I appreciate it. I didn't even hesitate either. Okay. I was like, look, she said, calm up. You better calm up. Right. Like, get up. There we go. Get up. Yeah. And I don't know why people never realize when you tell someone to calm down, what's usually what happens? They get even more angry. The opposite. We were talking about this last week. Like, when you tell somebody, don't look down, they look down. Right. <laughs> Shit, don't be telling me what to do. Right. Get up and dance with them. That's equity. <laughs> Get up and dance with them and make the room, make it aware that they're not alone. That's yeah. equity in that moment. Or get loud with them. Whatever it is that they're doing, you do it too. And if you don't want to do it, just shut your ass up, but don't tell them <laughs> to calm down. All right, everyone, what's up? So now we're moving on to Mela News. For those of you who don't know, this is just news that Cheryl and I send back to each other on Facebook, Messenger, um, Instagram, just stories we found, find wild stories and that surround around blackness. And we have two phrases or two sayings. We either say we're here for it or we're over it. Here for it means we're here for it. Like this is happening. We need to talk about it. Over it means we're over it. But we're also going to give our opinion while we're over it. Yes. Yes, yes. All righty. So our first one, <laughs> I already know because Cheryl... <laughs> Already told me, but our first one is the Jesse Smollett case. It has came down to he lied. He staged his attack. Cheryl, actually, I'm going to go first because Cheryl's about to go in, y'all. I'm just going to say I'm here for it because I'm confused. I still don't know what's going on. I know that they came up with this conclusion, but I just don't know where the facts are at. And maybe I need to go back and look, but I'm just really confused where facts still are. Like, how is it true? How is it not true? But... I'm here for it because he did damage or he did hurt two communities. That's that's it. Yeah. I'm over it. <laughs> and let me tell y'all why. Like, and it is gonna sound like I'm here for it, but I am not. I am over it. There's a couple of reasons. Like when I look at it, you know what? There are pieces of it that I'm here for, there are pieces of it that I'm over. Right? I'm here for the fact that moving forward, he did do some damage. He simultaneously did damage and created awareness at the same time. But the interesting thing is that damage often does create awareness. Like we don't really look at something until it has really been harmed. And so he did that to like the LGBTQ plus community. He did that to the black community. Like 
and I don't, I'm not here to explain his reasoning, but I'm here for that. But I'm over it in the media. And I'm also here for the fact that when I think about him in the justice system because of this, I'm worried about him. I'm mm-hmm. worried about wh- what they're going to do, what the punishment is going to be. Because I feel like make him donate or his time, money, platform, et cetera, continuously to, to victims of hate crimes. But that here nor there. And I got into a huge Instagram battle because my <laughs> frat brother, Tony Baker, reposted something that I wrote calling people assholes. And I was calling people or call people assholes, but also pointed out different points about the T of what I feel about the Jesse Smollett case. And people got real pissed off at me, y'all. And I'm here for it because also when people get pissed off, that creates awareness. And they can say what they want. I don't give a damn. I'm not apologizing to any of y'all. But period. Period. <laughs> but when I, I'm, I'm over the fact of how much media play has gotten, how it keeps dragging out, and people just seem to be up in turmoil and continuously arguing about it on different platforms. I'm like, I'm over that shit. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, it's it's dragging out a little bit too long. I do agree with you with that. Like it's, I'm like either look either it happened or it didn't happen, and boom. But you're right, it is dragging out. And I also, going back, I do feel like, because he's black, you know, like, they're like, oh, let's just drag this out, you know? Like, we're always in the media seen as clowns. And, like, now I'm just like, here we go again, like, so. Yeah. And, you know, I was arguing with lots of black people, mostly black people that was like, I don't care if he's black, he needs to go to jail. And I'm like, interesting enough, because that's the same thing white people have said to us throughout the justice system. So here we are emanating behaviors when we know there's racial disproportionality in paying for crimes. Mm. And so people like, I don't care if he's black, he shouldn't have broke the law. That statement within itself perpetuates institutional racism. Yep. I'm here for that shit. All right, Jeremy. (laughs) We're going to start all another melanins. (laughs) Francie Neely, the Houston socialite and the ex-wife of the owner of the Astros Dream Jim Crane was walking her dog and decided to interrupt the black families whose one-year-old was taking pictures outside. Here yes. Over it. Honey, I'm over it. I'm mm-hmm. over it. I'm over these white people who are racist. Like, how many incidents in, we're always recording. We always have it recorded. I'm pissed off, first of all, too. But I'm over it because, like, you have people calling cops on Little black kids selling water bottles. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, damn, can we do anything in public? Mm-hmm. Can we do anything in public and make her ass pay? Like, that was a one... I don't, I don't care how old the child was. I don't care if that was a 19-year-old's birthday party. A 19-year-old black-year-old's birthday party. But she... I mean, I saw the video, y'all. I sent it to Cheryl. I forgot who sent it to me. But she went... She tore that thing up. And then she attacked the father. She And I when I say attack, she literally put hands on him. And he better than me because... Sometimes I tell people these hands, you know, they don't discriminate. You catch these hands, <laughs> or they bisexual, one or the other. So, like, I'm sorry, but no, not really. I, I don't really don't violence like that. But you know what I mean? Like, she's over there, like, literally was hitting him, and I'm like, what What are we gonna do about this? And how is this? It's so normalized in society for white people to just go tear up stuff, you know, as far as in attacking black people. It's just like, oh yeah, here you go again. So. I'm over this happening. I'm over it. Yeah, and I do. I, I agree with you when you say, like, it's so normalized for white people to tear up stuff. Like, after their sports teams win and they go out and riot and tear shit up, that's not a problem. But if we riot and tear shit up because one of us got killed on camera with our hands in the air, that's a problem. Even though the rioting has the same outcomes, the circumstances are different. And because the populations are different, we look at them differently. Just have to throw that in there real quick. Hello. 
Um, I'm here for this because it seems like, and you know, it's evident that racist white people have become very bold and empowered since November of 2016. Hmm. It seems like, and I am saying like, y'all have always been bold in the way that y'all have treated us in society and what y'all feel like y'all had the privilege to do without consequence to our people. And so I think that this is another reenactment of that. And so, or this is an evolving of that. And so I'm here for that because I keep seeing instances like this and people getting real bold with it. And I'm here for the fact that I'm like, if Jesse Smollett is going to be for uh, indicted for creating a false report, so should y'all. Mm. Um, barbecue Becky, etc., and people running up on black people and attacking them. If we going to jail for an attack for attacking a human being, so should you. And if you're gonna call the police and create a false report on children selling water in their neighborhood, your ass should go to jail too. And I agree. And I've been seeing a lot of things on Instagram about that. And you know, and once again, like paying attention to the black community and how <clears throat> it's so interesting how fast for me, Cheryl, how fast we split our community. And we go to the extreme, like either we're, <laughs> I guess we use these things, either we're here for it or we're over it, right? And like going back to Jesse, like you said, like how many black people were so quick to like bang, 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 you know, on him, like mm-hmm. let him have it. And I like that you also mentioned, I want to say in the last episode that, you know, is it because he's gay then? Because what if he was just a black heterosexual male? Would they still have felt the same way, you know? And then when something does happen to us from another race, from white people, you don't really, I mean, for me personally, when I'm looking through the comments, because I do, I look through comments, y'all, I be nosy. And I don't be seeing a lot of black people on there. I'm like, now y'all don't have nothing to say. And not that those black, same black people can go comment, but you know what I mean? Like, I just notice those things. I think about, you know, when it was Bill Cosby, and I think about when it was R. Kelly, and I'm not, I'm not condoning anything they did, y'all, but I'm just saying how quick we are to really attack our own, mm-hmm. you know? And that's, I think that deals with equity and equality because I also think that awareness and being spoken out comes from being harmed, right? Remember, y'all, hurt people hurt people. Mm. And so our communities have faced a lot of hurt and harm. And harm comes in varying forms. Like, I'm not saying that's the reason why we're violent or we're going out and doing terrible things. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that people often express themselves first verbally if you have that ability, And we do that through our language. And social media has become such a platform where it doesn't operate without language. Now, whether you type it, write a video or create a video, et cetera. And so when I see my people on a timeline and comments going in, it does make me think about the harm that is inflicted in our communities and how some of us are fighting it and some of us are perpetuating it. All right, our next next one. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't imply how you feel about it. The noose around the neck and Burberry fashion shit. Over it, over it. I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm not here for it. I honestly don't want to talk about it, but I'm going to say why I'm over it. Because why? Like, what? What are y'all thinking? Mm-hmm. What are y'all thinking? Like, you mean to tell me y'all looked at this? I'm com- I need to be up one of these meetings. We both show. We need to be one of these meetings and just be like, y'all really just said, oh, yeah, this is it. <laughs> like, people are going to want to rock this. Yeah, nobody uses a noose as a fucking accessory. Well, no, nobody who's not racist and doesn't believe in lynching black people or anybody. Um, same, I'm over it. I'm starting to think that the shit is becoming a publicity stunt. 
Like y'all even not only do y'all use our blackness in hip hop or in music, et cetera, mm. now y'all using it for the basis of publicity stunts. And I just don't appreciate that. I'm like, stop it. Like get some people in diversity, equity, and inclusion on your marketing team, or your brand is going to disappear. And if you doing shit like that, maybe you should. So I'm over it. All right. Cap Colin Kaepernick and his $60 million to $80 million settlement from the NFL. Here for it or over it? I'm here for it. I think. Tell me Sorry, why. y'all. I'm not really a sports person. <laughs> um, so, and I've been trying to look at other people's uh, opinions on it because I'm just trying to, you know, inform myself. But I, from what I read, sorry, I saw someone else post and they were like, wow, then I, he's not really for the, he's not really about football or something like that, or he doesn't really care. But I'm like, I don't, that doesn't make sense to me because I don't think he was really trying to do it for football. He was doing it for right the community. It was weird. The statement was just weird. And I was like, well, yeah, if he settled, I mean, yeah, he it's over and done with. But he made it, I, to me, he made a great impact. So actually, I'm, yeah, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. To me, he, he did what he was supposed to do. And I, I believe he's going to continue to keep doing what he wanted to do when he nailed the original meaning behind it. Yeah. I'm here for it, too. Um, I'm happy that he got that. I think that he probably would have made even more money had he been a- allowed to play in the NFL. Mm. So I'm here for the fact that, you know, he got a settlement and that's what it is, a settle, because that man would definitely make more money doing, uh, being able to perform at his job. It's Look here, it's just like if you go to work <laughs> and you get mistreated for something and the company uh, treats you unfairly and you sue them and you win, that's the same shit. Just because it's football doesn't mean it's not a business. That was his job. He was at work. He was mistreated unfairly because of his cultural beliefs that wasn't harming anybody else. And he got a settlement because of that. So for any of you people out here judging him and thinking and have been through the same circumstances, you need to compare his job and his outcome to your job and your outcome because you would have done the same thing. It doesn't mean that you don't love what you do. It just means that maybe what you do don't love you. Um, so, yeah, I'm here for that. And I, I hope I'm keeping the faith that he's allowed to play in the NFL after this. And I understand, I mean, I get it if he doesn't want to or if he's not, but you know, I'm still hoping for that. I'm here for that. Alrighty, everyone. Thank you for listening. That is the conclusion of today's episode on equality and equity for Melanated Diaries. I invite you all to follow us, like us, subscribe, share, listen. We are on many of platforms now. We are now on iTunes, for those of you who need it. We're on SoundCloud. We are on Buzzsprout. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. And now we have a Facebook page. Pretty much all you have to do is type in Melanated Diaries. That is M-E-L-A-N-A-T-E-D space D-I-A-R-I-E-S. And it should pop up. It's a beautiful chocolate looking book that cheryl created you can go ahead and say i saw what she created y'all she killed it but type that in that will pop up and we will be keeping you more informed on what we're doing please write us let us know what you want us to talk about if we're missing anything because cheryl and i are only human so just let us know i want you all to have a great evening a great night a great morning whenever you're listening to this and i hope we got you all the way together Thank you for tuning in to Melanated Diaries, a space where we get together to get you all the way together. Come vibe with us next week as we reflect on a new topic. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Jeremy. Love y'all. Hunty, good day.